you would, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Good morning to all of you. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to continue our series <coughs> entitled Pleasing God. We started a few weeks ago. And uh, the basis of this, there are numbers of scriptures in the Bible that uh, clearly talk about pleasing God, how to please God. And so we're examining these scriptures and seeing what uh, the Bible has to say about pleasing God. Let's get some uh, scriptures. Um, I need, first of all, Tom Kays is going to read 1 Thessalonians 1 through 3. 1 through 3, uh, Jeff um, Cooper, 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, 4 through 6, and then Jesse, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7 and 8. That's our main verse. Those three t sections together is our main verse for today. Okay, uh, other people you want to read, uh, read for me. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. Uh, Adam, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 5. Uh, Gary Basham, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7, and David, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. You wouldn't want to have a lisp when you said that, would you? Uh, just seeing if you're awake. Okay, some other scriptures over here. Uh, Stephen, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 4. Uh, Luke, read for me. 1 Kings 8, 4. Steve Garfield, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Uh, Mick Woodcock, Genesis 38, 16. Will, 2 Kings 14, 14. Brandon, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. Al Herman, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 6. Uh, Heath, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 8. And uh, Devin, Hebrews 12, 16. That's plenty of scriptures. Okay, let's look at our uh, verse today. We're going to be looking at uh, the thought of pleasing God through purity. First Thessalonians 4, 1 through 3, then 4 through 6, and then 7 and 8. Go ahead. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God. Okay, pleasing God through uh, purity. And this is our uh, scripture. Paul writes back. He had uh, had dealings with this church before, and we've actually used uh, verse 1 as our launching uh, scripture in, in other lessons that he says, the will of God can be known. I clearly taught this. We taught you what is uh, pleasing to God, and now he expands and uh, uh, reiterates what it was that he taught. It had to do with moral purity. Let's talk about the purpose of purity for a moment. You have to understand this, this church in, in Thessalonica, when he writes to them and speaks about moral purity, how incredibly foreign that was uh, to these people when they got saved. This was absolutely contrary to the spirit of uh, their age and um, uh, the time when this was written. Uh, you had the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire that uh, were in power. Uh, at this time in Greece, a famous quote from that time, 
describing their culture. We keep prostitutes for pleasure. We keep mistresses for the day-to-day needs of the body. We keep wives for the begetting of children and the home. This is uh, uh, one of their scholars summing up their culture and uh, incredible perversion. The Roman Empire carried this on. Uh, Many of the Roman emperors were homosexuals, uh, incredibly uh, perverse that uh, this was uh, carried on. And so it was, it was no shame to, uh, be having sex with someone that you are not married to. In fact, if you weren't doing that, this would be viewed as odd. And so I want you to capture this. This is a, uh, so when the gospel came, this was a foreign language. Some of you, if you were raised in America, I don't know what your upbringing was or uh, level of church, but I want you to understand there are places, there are people in the world today to which purity is an absolute foreign concept. Numbers of uh, our converts in South Africa, would I would quiz them about this and they would swear never in their entire life had they ever heard, and these were church-going people, had they ever heard one time that uh, that sleeping with someone you're not married to is wrong. So this is a, uh, Paul is writing to people, this would have been an incredibly foreign concept and contrary to the spirit of the age. Now, this is definitely true in our society uh, uh, today, in modern society. Just uh, let me read you some quotes here. Uh, here's a, a wise person uh, of America the most important event in human history. What would you think? How, what would you think would be the most important event in human history? This wise person said the most important event in human history is contraception. Because this enabled the what is called the uh, sexual revolution, in other words, immorality without consequences. So this is uh, the world in which we live. The three major uh, networks, now this is now, uh, this statistic actually is very old before the rise of cable television, but imagine this is just the three major networks uh, uh, back then. In the prime afternoon and evening hours, they broadcast over 65,000 sexual references a year. And back then, this is coming, uh, 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 be, be, this would be in the uh, probably late 80s, uh, early 90s, it said the average American viewer, television viewer, sees over 14,000 references or depictions of sex per year on TV. And that was when it was only basically three main channels. Now with the explosion of cable, only the Lord can count. Uh, how much this is. Uh, I was living in, in uh, Melbourne, and uh, they did a, uh, an, an interview or a questionnaire. They were asking, would you, they're asking women, would you go out with a man who had a moral opinion about sex? In other words, a man who wanted to have a commitment from both partners before having sex. Now, they're not even saying be married. So think about this. Would you want to have a commitment that there's going to be some future to this relationship before you'd uh, uh, sleep with them. One girl uh, wrote in and she said, well, for how long? She said, I would, but only for six weeks. After that, I would worry that there was something wrong with me. 
Okay, this is the world in which we live in. Is the is the spirit of the age is uh, incredibly immoral. Purity is not a a concept that is uh, grasped easily in our society. So, Paul writes to people who probably had never heard anything about moral purity, and he says, this is God's will, this is God's plan or his blueprint for our lives. First Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should obtain, abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from uh, immorality or fornication. This is all forms of... <coughs> of uh, 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 sex outside of marriage or, uh, or impurity outside of marriage. He said, this is the will of God. So God created sex and, and said that it was good inside the moral boundaries of marriage. God is not anti-sex. Okay, he's the one who created uh, uh, sexuality. And so, but he is writing to these people, giving them an understanding that within the moral boundaries of marriage, that is what God has designed. First Thessalonians 4, verse 5. Not in passion and love like the Jews, <clears throat> do not know God. Okay, and uh, I think you'll see on the screen, the NIV says, not in passionate lust like the heathen. This, this uh, uh, word, passion of lust... In the, in the King James, the lust of concupiscence, uh, or however you say that big fancy word that we don't say anymore, is that it literally is like animals. That's what it is saying here. It is without aim uh, uh, or object. The only factor in sexuality is that people who are not saved, the only factor is a physical urge. I feel like it, therefore I will. I want to. And so therefore I will. And so, therefore, there are no boundaries. It is just like an animal is you have people who are, they're in heat. That is the only. A dog is in heat. Unfortunately, some people act very dog-like. They're in heat, therefore they have sex outside of marriage. And God is saying, that is not my design. This is more... How many of you know you're better than a dog? <laughs> you're supposed to be. How many of you want a dog biscuit? Never mind. No, okay. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but to holiness. Okay, we are called. This word is, uh, is uh, vocation or job. Our lifelong job is holiness. This is God's calling in the middle of a society. He was writing at a time, probably the whoever was the uh, the emperor or the leader of the empire, be like a, a, a president today, that he probably was a, a, a homosexual, that there was perversion on every side. These people would see this walking past the temples. There was uh, uh, part of their religion was prostitution and, and all of these kinds of things. He writes to them and he says, that is not the way you're supposed to live. That we are called to holiness. What is holiness? Just make sure you have a have an understanding or a definition here. David, what is holiness? It means set apart. So he's giving one half of the equation that is 
for God. That's half of holiness. What's the other half? Kelly? Uh, Casey? Okay, so holiness has two parts. It, it literally means to be set apart. And so the two parts of holiness is we are set apart from certain things, and then we are set apart for God or for uh, His uh, his purposes are ready to be used by God. So, in our scripture here, God says here, the motivation for purity ultimately is pleasing God. First Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Okay, so now he's going to expound all the other verses that we read through verse 8 are expounding on verse 1, which he says, I taught you clearly before how to please God. Verses 2 through 8 then explain you please God through moral purity when sexuality remains within the boundaries of, of marriage. So here is the question. Lock your minds in. Why would... Moral purity, please God. Why is that an issue of pleasing God? In other words, this whole series is, how do you make God happy? What is it that God looks down at a life and he says, I, that makes me happy? The Bible says one factor here is moral purity. Why would that make God happy? What does that have to do with pleasing God? Matt? It have to do with it's how he designed things to be in the first place. It's how he designed things in the first place, but why would that make him happy? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> you are very close. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay. All right, Matt, you want to have another crack at it? I think it's because for our benefit that God puts rules and certain things in place because he knows that um, you know, destruction and problems will come from you know, when we disobey his will, you know, and uh, the, the perfect or the ideal for our lives is to be, you know, um, you know, have sex within the bounds of marriage because it's for our benefit and our protection. Okay, it's for our benefit, uh, he's saying. And there's not, I don't, I don't believe there's only one right answer. There's numbers of reasons. Uh, 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 why here, uh, Carol? God says, "Be ye holy, as I am holy." He wants us to be like Him. He wants relationship. He wants us to be aligned to His person and character. Uh, okay, uh, Carol says that's because we're being like God. Uh, Jeff? Well, uh, <clears throat> it could have to do with the holy lineage too. The holy lineage. What does that mean? Well, that when believers marry uh, one. Okay, so you're saying the effect on children? Is that is, yeah, the holy, you know there's a remnant? Holy yeah. Remnant came down from Adam, you know? Yeah. Right. So uh, and then you know you've got uh, Cain went out and married a bunch of women, you know, that's not the holy lineage. Okay. And, uh, 
They've done studies on lineage. They found that people that were, were Christians back in the late 1700s and stuff, their lineage is full of people that became judges and uh, teachers and honest people. And then the other people that didn't believe in God, they, they were full of worse thieves. And, uh, okay. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's a very good point, Jeff. Is that there is something spiritual that is... Uh, uh, transmitted both by purity and, and immorality? Uh, David? We are, we are told to love God first, from all heart and soul. And if we put someone else there, that shouldn't be there, that us. Yes. Yeah, very, very good. That is, a, a, it is valuing God. Yeah, that is a very important point. And uh, that you are putting God in the highest place. If you choose to not live by the rules of society or what you see on TV, but uh, by what God says, you're putting God above. That, that's a very, very important uh, point. Somebody else. Betty? There are rules of authority that God has put into place. And he said, don't go whoring around for other gods. He is number one. And he has put into place the family. And there is, there is a structure there where there's... Uh, Okay. All right. Authority, that could be an issue. Uh, no? Okay, so it pleases uh, God to see us enjoying in the right context. Okay, Kelly? Uh, okay, and so yes, that, that is uh, God's plans for you. Very good. God's plans are affected by uh, uh, morals. Yeah? And Casey? God Okay, Abby, true one more. Ken? Okay, has to do with God's Spirit in us. Yeah, that is true. John? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's honoring it's honoring his authority. Yeah, that that is all true. And so there are, there are a whole range of reasons uh, why. Are you lifting your hand? 
Oh, I thought you were trying to catch my attention there. Okay. All right, let's talk about the power of purity for a moment. Just keep that, that thought in mind of, of pleasing God. So in our scripture is going to lay out a, a foundation of why does it matter. And so one of the major thoughts in this passage is that immorality affects the Spirit of God in the church. And this is why uh, it matters. Verse uh, 4, First Thessalonians 4, verse 4. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel of sanctification and honor. Okay, vessel. That each person, so he's giving, he says, you should, God has called us uh, to uh, holiness. Then he gives this instruction that each person should know how to possess his own vessel, sanctification and honor. Okay, let's, so let's, let's backtrack in Bible history. What is the most uh, uh, common usage in the Bible of vessels? Vessels. You see that word here is vessel in the New Testament. Vessels in the Old Testament, and it is predominantly used in what connection? What kind of? It's a container, obviously, of some kind uh, or another. Uh, carries water. That is one uh, possibility. Carries oil, that's a possibility. Who else had a hand? Let's go ahead. Spirit of God. Uh, you're getting deep. That's, I'm getting... Yeah, it's in the New Testament. Yes, vessels of honor and dishonor. So, but what is it in the Old Testament? Vessels are repeatedly, that you, you're going to find that word repeatedly used in connection with what? One is, as he said, can be water. That's a domestic use. It's in the house. Well. Oh, sorry? Well. well, are you saying W? Well. Oil. It, uh, it can, but where? My question is where? Where do we see vessels in the Old Testament? Okay, in the tabernacle and the temple. Okay, it is used in the house of God or the dwelling place of God. Vessels... In the Old Testament, one of the most common usages of that word is the vessels that are used in the temple. And they were vessels of water. They carried water. They carried oil. They may have carried grain. These were containers of some kind, but they were very uh, uh, specifically manufactured of uh, certain materials. M most of these were uh, bronze. That was the most common uh, material that was used. Uh, you'll find that in the or brass in the uh, in the temple and and uh, some others. But capture this thought: the temple was the dwelling place of God, or the tabernacle, which was the tent, the, the temporary dwelling before they built the temple, was the dwelling place of God. In both the tabernacle and the temple was the Ark of the Covenant. It was a place where God's presence dwelt there. Hard to get our, our head around that. Almighty God, somehow He put His presence, He resided in the tabernacle or the temple, and this is the place where men could meet God. Men who had problems, men who had sin, they could come to the tabernacle or the temple and they could meet with God and they could get help. And so the Bible speaks and talks about these vessels. They could not have 
the presence of God. They could not have the worship of God without these vessels. The vessels enabled the, the uh, work of God to be accomplished. First Kings 8, verse 4. And they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle, the priests and the Levites brought up. Okay, this is before the temple. It was originally in a temporary structure, uh, in a tent. That's what the tabernacle is. Is that they brought the tent, and the Bible says uh, uh, that they brought all the holy vessels. They had certain Levites. This was their job was to clean, to maintain, and to carry these vessels because without the vessels, you could not have the worship that would bring the presence of God. People could not meet with God without these vessels. Okay, so you have to get that picture from the Old Testament. That's where we saw vessels uh, uh, most commonly originally. Now, he writes to us in the New Testament. We don't have the temple anymore. And he writes and he says, I'm writing this. God's called us to holiness. And he explains so that each of you would know how to keep your vessel in sanctification uh, and in honor. Okay. In the New Testament, what are New Testament vessels? What are the New Testament vessels? What are they? It is us and specifically, what is it specifically? Of us. Us encompasses a lot of things. It is our bodies. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Keep reading then, it must be verse 20 as well. Okay, and so here uh, the Bible speaks about your body, your body. And he says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and you are to honor God with your body. In other words, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And if you get the uh, 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 the, the wider understanding of the uh, the gathering the, of God's people as the church is that we come together and as we come together, we are enabling the Spirit of God to meet with people. There are going to be people who are going to come into church this morning. Some of them are not going to be saved. They need to meet with God. God needs to touch them. When they come in, it cannot be... Uh, 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 just words that are going in. God must meet with them and speak. There are people that are coming in this morning that are, are hurting and broken and struggling. They desperately need to meet with God. They need the Spirit of God uh, uh, to touch them. And so Paul is writing, he lays out the case that we are called unto holiness, and now he connects it here with the vessels which is the Spirit of God is going to be affected. Whether or not we are pure morally or impure, that is going to have an effect on the Spirit of God in the, uh, uh, in the church. So, an unclean Christian or an unclean church 
therefore becomes a powerless Christian or a powerless church. Genesis 38, verse 16. Uh, keep reading. I apparently didn't read the next verse as well. And keep on reading. Okay, so this is the uh, Old Testament story of uh, Judah, whose uh, sons died, and he had promised uh, uh, one of his sons' uh, wives, uh, Tamar. He says, "I'll, I'll, uh, uh, I'm going to take care of you." He doesn't do that, and so she sits by the side of the road, and uh, 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 he assumes that she's a prostitute, and comes and he says, "I want to sleep with you." Now, this is a, this is in modern society. If it feels good, do it. Right? So, hey, man, we're adults. Long we're not hurting anybody. And so he says, hey, I want to I sleep with you. I've got the urge. I'm in the mood. And so she says something very, very interesting. She says, if you're going to sleep with me, what are you going to give me? What are you going to give up? And because he's in heat like an animal, anything, okay, and he gives up his seal, this was the signet ring of authority, uh, and the cord that went with it, and the staff, which is a symbol of authority, so he gave them to her, and she, uh, and slept with her, and then she became pregnant, so here's, here's the point, is that in immorality, you lose something, you give something up, this is the problem, he had he could transact business this with this ring, all of the family resources. He could impress that into uh, uh, wax or clay, and this would be this would be like a, a, a modern uh, uh, debit card uh, that you could access uh, all of the resources. Here's the staff we know in the Bible as the symbol of authority. And she says, "But if you want to sleep with me, you see, it's not just an urge. You're going to give something up." You're going to lose something. You're going to lose authority. You're going to lose dominion. This is what is very tragic, is when God's vessels are used for the devil's purposes. 2 Kings 14, verse 14. He took all the gold and silver and all the vessels and returned to Okay, so this is one of the times in which uh, uh, the kingdom was conquered. And all of these vessels that are supposed to be used for God's purposes, now they're used for something that is unclean, right? Uh, uh, so we later on, if you uh, read in the book of Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is another king that had conquered and taken God's vessels. Now these are meant to bring the Spirit of God is that he is using these for a booze party. Pouring alcohol, using God's vessels for something that is unclean. They're having a drunken party. That, that is very, very tragic when the vessels that are meant to be used to bring God's spirit are actually used 
for the devil's purposes. Very sad that uh, many, uh, uh, especially in in uh, uh, R and B music, is that many of the R and B stars who sing about nothing but sex and uncleanness and have uh, videos that uh, are vile got their start in church. Learn how to sing in in church. And now they're using their vessel for something that is unclean. That is absolutely wrong. First Thessalonians 4, verse 7. Okay, God did not call us to uncleanness, but He called us in holiness. Uncleanness in the the Bible, it literally means pollution or filth, but it is linked to the demonic realm. Number one, you you read that uh, Jesus would cast out a demon and he said, you unclean spirit. There's there's the demonic realm that has entered in in, uh, immorality. But in the Old Testament, let's go back to the Old Testament again and you see the original usage of this word. When someone was unclean, what happened to them? What was a common scenario in the Bible of someone who was unclean and what was the consequences of being unclean? Stephen? They had to be separated from the rest of the people. They had to be separated. Give me an example. Who who had to be separated? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, there's a whole range in, in uh, uh, Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, a whole range of instructions about warning you if you are unclean and who is it written to? Lepers, that's that's one, of course, that's a that's a type of sin. Vic, Vicky, you were thinking of lepers. Who else? Much of the instructions on uncleanness are written to who? Uh, perhaps, perhaps a little more obscure. Al, priests, and so this was a, a very uh, uh, this is a very common. Uh, instruction of uncleanness is priests who were unclean couldn't come into the presence of God. So their usefulness is affected, number one. The Spirit of God is affected, uh, number two. And so you are, there's a disqualifying and there is a hindering of the Spirit of God. So when, when God writes and He says, is that you're not to live like the rest of the world who they live like animals. They got an urge, therefore they have sex with whoever they have the urge with, and that somehow is acceptable and glorified. He said, we don't live like that. And one of the reasons why is because the Spirit of God is uh, hindered or uh, affected in, in some way. There were some other, other hands that you had something else you want to add there? Or you were just answering the question? No, okay. So. He goes on, he says another interesting thing here is that immorality and uncleanness involves theft. Think about that. First Thessalonians 4, verse 6. Okay. All right. The context here, he's talking about moral purity. And he says, if you are not morally pure, he says in verse 6, uh, don't be like that. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother. That word defraud is literally steal. From or you rob other people when you are 
uh, immoral. This is this is uh, true in in uh, all areas. Is that uh, uh, people who are uh, dating and are immoral? They are robbing something of from. Uh, their relationship, doing damage to it. This is, this is true of uh, pornography uh, and uh, fantasy lust is that they're robbing. You, you, can't, you cannot have a good marriage and be involved in pornography. Amen. Say amen. amen. You cannot. It's impossible. You are robbing your wife or your husband. That involves a, a, a robbery. You're robbing them of effort and energy that should be theirs. Adultery, of course, is robbing a husband, a wife, and children. And in the church, you are robbing other people of uh, the presence of God. And so the heart that allows lust to dominate our scripture is a despising heart. Verse Thessalonians 4, verse 8. Therefore, he who rejects this uh, does not reject man, but God, who has also given... Okay, his translation says rejected. It, it, it literally is despised. If you don't want to live morally pure and please God, he says the person who rejects God's instruction despises not a man. It's not the pastor who made a rule, but you are despising God, and he connects it again, who's given us his Holy Spirit. So in other words... It is an attitude that treats immorality as a, as a small or a light issue. Is, you know, what is the fuss? Yeah, you know, we did, but what's the problem? It's no big deal. Hebrews 12, 16. Lest there be any fornicator or a vain person like Esau, who the one morsel of food sold in Okay, we did a whole uh, lesson on this word profane. Uh, profane was the threshold of the temple. Uh, the inside was sacred, the outside was not sacred. Crossing the threshold, you do that without thought. So here is Esau, who he is the firstborn, he has the birthright, he has a calling and a destiny and responsibility, but the Bible says that he lightly said, well, well, what's the big deal? I'm hungry, I've got an urge, and would trade away all that God has for him and for one bowl of beans, and the Bible says that uh, that the person who does that, fornicators are like that. People who blow off marriage vows, or people who will not wait, or people who are involved in immorality outside of uh, the marriage boundaries, is they are doing this, it is because they despise God. God, you are small in my eyes, my urge, my feelings, my emotions take top place. And so this is why God says that uh, uh, this is the rationale behind uh, uh, purity. In this passage, it is connected most strongly with the Spirit of God or the presence of God. Okay, let's open for comments or questions. Luke? Um, I just wanted to mention that about, about purity. It reminds me of uh, a lot of times when someone is raising their children and they, they've grown up in church or they've been a Christian for a while, one of the first things that happens when they backslide, if they backslide, is that moral purity goes out the window. And in, in my life, when I backslid, the first thing I did was go and find that animal earth and, you know, totally throw that to the wind and, uh, and, and re, you know, uh, rededicate my life again. It's, it's amazing how much God can change your mind and realign you with that purity once again. Yeah, very good. Somebody else? Go ahead. 
before I got saved, or before I got married, um, my family, they told me the cycle said, what happened? I'm my lifestyle on me. I had cage hearings, I had no money. They just, they also made me remember that one. Okay, your parents were puzzled by purity, yeah? Because of the, yeah. My testimony was because I was very immoral. You know, the stuff that you know, I was very immoral. So, not drinking anymore, to save my money. To them, it's not normal, right? You wouldn't buy a car without test driving it, right? And that, that's what, I've heard sinners, that's what, they, that's what they say, right? You know, wife is not a car. That's the difference. Yeah? Somebody else. Good. David? Oh, I heard in the news that there's this couple and this lady, and she said the husband ended up having a Alienation of affection, yep. North Carolina is still law on the books. She just won that, I think it was a, a week ago. Uh, John? issue is that the is what is what is designed for is that God uh, God designed men and women that when they begin to uh, have physical contact they want to have sex so you're saying you're going to you're going to you're going to begin the process of God's design which is is meant to be uh, for sexual contact but then you're going to say but we won't have sex so and the Bible says it's it's fire so you're going to light the fire and say stay <laughs> right that's that's the answer to the question is you ha you have to decide that for yourself but uh, the problem is 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 too much heartache I see from people who light the fire and then it got out of control right Matt? In a believer's life something that does and should uh, become a natural way of life and that's just something that becomes natural to them or is it something that you have to constantly maintain and keep in check in order to, to remain pure in your life is that is it not just something that will happen naturally, stay consistent. Is it? Well, you know, different people are different. And as you have different people who are um, uh, different things tempt them and different levels of temptation. So um, I think it's something that, that has to be maintained is, is the, the bottom line.
that would be something that it's not a one time and done deal. Uh, sister here, wait, no, back there, Sharon, sorry. Sorry, buddy. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that'd be true. So a correlation to his his question would be like the, the alcoholic pulling the bottle of beer out of the fridge and kissing it. <laughs> but I won't drink it. So, right? Betty? comment on that one we're gonna we're gonna move along here George the ranch man <laughs> you got some great some great things there you have to give me a picture of one of them bowls I'm going to show that to some people here <laughs> it wasn't worth it Patsy do you believe that a spouse is immoral that they can't have a relationship with affection and intimacy because that they can't with their that they don't have an affection and intimacy because of the uh, immorality of their life. Uh, not as not as God intends. No, as, as the Bible says, it's robbery. Is you're 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 robbing something. That means you're giving something to someone else that should be for your uh, for your spouse, right? And and uh, many of the this this is why um, the danger of many people in straying uh, from the boundaries of marriage are not. Uh, someone walking by with a hot bod that they just couldn't resist. The danger is that they get something from someone else that they should get from their spouse, right? They form a relationship. They have an online relationship. They talk and spend time chatting, but they should be talking to their husband or their, their wife, right? They talk to that person at work, and that's what gets them into trouble. So that's why the Bible says you are defrauding 
No, you cannot have a healthy relationship with your spouse and uh, an outside relationship of any kind. Not just, uh, not just sex, you know, you're, you're, you're asking about sexuality, but that's true for anything. When you are having someone else supply what your spouse should supply, you're in trouble and you're robbing your spouse. You're robbing yourself ultimately. Back there, Casey? I think Yeah, and it does have an effect. I preach whole sermons on that. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna close very quickly. Only got a couple uh, more minutes. Uh, have to zoom here. Uh, I need uh, uh, Stephen First Thessalonians four four. Uh, read for me, uh, Charles. Job thirty one verse one. Charles is gonna read thirty one one. Uh, Brian Genesis thirty nine nine. Matt. Uh, uh, read for me. I'll skip through some of these. Matthew twenty six forty one. Get that Heath. Uh, Psalms one nineteen nine. I think that's all we'll have time for. Okay, practical purity. The key to purity, then, if you're going to please God in purity, the heart attitude. If 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 we go back to the the previous point, if it is despising God that causes people to be immoral, honoring God is the hard attitude that that uh, causes us to be pure. First Thessalonians 4, verse 4. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Okay. Possess his vessel. This is your body. That's what it's talking about. In sanctification and honor, you are honoring God when you choose to be pure. That's why, as uh, our sister said earlier, you're putting God above uh, everything else. You're honoring your spouse when you choose to be pure. You are honoring your church. This is value that is a uh, place. You're honoring your potential. The great tragedy I see over the years of, <laughs> let's say, young men that uh, get saved and you can see a touch of God on them, but they become immoral and lose the purposes uh, of God. Genesis 39, 9. Therefore, uh, there is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Okay, this is uh, Joseph, who he is in another country all alone. No one will know. And uh, a woman wants him to sleep with him. And he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I am honoring God. I'm putting it above. It doesn't matter what uh, uh, the world uh, says. And so we are making a decision to not be ruled by our bodies. Job 31.1. I made a covenant with mine. Why not? Why then should I think upon the one made? Think upon a maid, or in other words, other translations say, made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl or uh, at a woman. So uh, in closing our walk with God, you're not going to... Uh, purity is a supernatural decision and a supernatural dimension. You will not be able to do that without a supernatural relationship uh, with God. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Okay, in Psalms 119.9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And verse 11 as well, Heath. Your word uh, I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Okay, so here's the, the prayer and the word of God. Someone with a relationship with God has an edge because God can supply something that they don't have in themselves. Okay, we have to close there. Service will start at 1030. God bless you.